Hello and welcome to StarkCast. I'm Joe Stark, and today I am delighted to talk with my good friend, Dr. James Wetzel. What is up, dude? What's up, man? Oh, so excited. It's been too long since I've had you on. You're one of my favorite guests to have on. One of my favorite human beings in general. (laughs) (laughs) What you say isn't everyone? (laughs) I say you say that to everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But no, truly very excited to have you on. It's been too long since we've... Uh, you know, kind of connected and chatted. So um, this is something I've been looking forward to for a while. Um, How's everything been going with you through all these trying times with with COVID and whatnot? Things been going okay, I guess. I'm, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think everything's fine, but everybody I talk to is like super stressed out and, and I go, me too. And it's like, it's, there's this weird like stress that everybody has right now. I don't know what it is, but it's this, it's just like in everybody that I meet so far, I'll say, how's it going? You know, they're like, oh, it's fine. And then you can just tell them, they're like, yeah, I'm like super stressed out. And you're like, what? Why? I don't know. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, there's know. a lot this, of fucked up shit COVID going on. thing is, yeah, well, that, yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's, there's definitely fucked up stuff going on in the world right now. Um, also, it's, God, inflation is just fucking insane right now. Also with like, um, uh, Lindsay got back from getting groceries the other day, and she said the gallon of orange juice she bought was almost eight dollars. <laughs> like, are what? you serious? That's crazy. Oh no! So That's not good. No, no, it's it's not. And um, oh gosh! And then the the stuff with the recent Supreme Court leak with the Roe v. Wade. I've been losing my mind on that shit. Reading that yeah. stuff online. I mean, that's that's one of those hot button issues that just immediately pisses me off. Especially yeah. coming from the same crowd that has the audacity to say my body, my choice when it comes to the vaccine, but then won't. Uh, I, 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 we're, we're a couple minutes in. I'm not dragging this into that right away. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, there's, there's, right in. Uh, there's, there's definitely things to be stressed and upset about. But, right. Uh, but on the positive, um, you, I know you recently had COVID. You seem to be doing good now. Uh, any, yeah. any bad side effects from that or anything? I mean, it took a while actually. Um, you know, it's interesting. My, my, I almost made it. I'm so mad. I almost made it. I think, you know, <laughs> um, it was, you know, I, I didn't get COVID the whole entire time was very careful. And, uh, my, there was just one random day. I was like, Hey dad, can you come up and bring me something? And he came up and, and, uh, I think it was a keyboard stand or something. Uh, or no, it was a tool. I can't remember. I needed something. Can you bring it up? And so him and my mom came up. They drove in the same car, 45 minutes, came up to my house. And then my dad and I hung around for a little bit. We went, picked up food, brought it home. And everybody hung out, you know, my whole family, everybody. And then uh, he, next day, a couple days later, actually, he sends a text like, hey, I tested positive for COVID, FYI. And we're like, oh, no. <laughs> Because they were just here, but then uh-huh. we were like, eh, it's probably low risk. So we monitored it. I was the only one who got sick. Me, just me. I was the only one. And uh, I was sick. I was like, I didn't, my dad had like the worst sore throat of his life, he said. It was like horrible. But he got the COVID pill, which is an antiviral. And uh, they gave it to him. And he was better like that night that he got it. And then the next day he was like, fine. That's amazing. So, yeah, it worked really well to just kind of like, you know, stop the damage that was continuing on and just let him heal. 
And I was not so lucky because I was not in the at-risk group. I was vaccinated and boosted and generally healthy. So that means I don't get those drugs. So I just have to be sick. Oh, well, that's <laughs> so, too bad. I know. So I was sick for like, but I, I didn't have a sore throat. I didn't have any breathing issues. I was just like, I couldn't get out of bed for like a week almost. Just like so exhausted. It was just, I had no energy for, yeah, probably a week. And I had a, the first few days I had a really, really bad headache. That's what I remember the most was, was a very, very bad headache. And then, uh, that, but that was, that was about it for the symptoms, but the fatigue lasted a long time, probably like a month before I really felt kind of like myself. Um, so it was like hard to get motivated to do anything. And normally I'm just like, you know, let's go. Uh, so that was weird. And I, I finally feel like it's that was in like, I don't know when that was, February or something. And I finally feel like I'm kind of normal now. But I don't know if my sense of smell is fully back because I kind of lost. A, I didn't fully lose it, but it became pretty weak. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Otherwise, fine. Well, um, I'm glad you bounced back from it because, man, that's. Mm -hmm. It's some scary stuff, and especially yeah. with all the different, you know, variants of it that keep coming out. And yeah, uh, I remember, I still fondly remember back in 2020 when they were like, "Oh, two week lockdown, and it's all gonna go away." <laughs> Thirty days to stop or to to slow the curve or whatever it was, uh, flatten uh, the curve. Yeah, and 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 now we've just kind of. I didn't know that there was a a pill to treat it. That was pretty cool. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, the funny thing is, like, I had just gotten over COVID and Joe Biden gave his State of the Union and he said, and now we're going to put the COVID pill or the Pfizer pill or whatever it's called in all the pharmacies for anybody to get. And I'm like, ah, I missed it. <laughs> I got sick right at the tail end of not getting the drugs and then, you know, missed the whole because, you know, you worry a little bit about long term consequences when a virus like infects all of the cells in your body <laughs> oh of course so it's like oh well and i've seen so many different articles with the uh, you know talking about the different side effects of long covid and, and stuff that's you know could have lasting effects on the body and it's it is scary totally. that sort of stuff is scary um yeah uh now what what is that weird thing that people were taking thinking that, that that was going to be the thing that was going to cure him. Was it Ivervectin or Ivermectin? Oh, or? Ivermectin, yeah, the horse dewormer. I, I read an article uh, earlier that that's causing uh, long-term incontinence in, in people oh my that, God. that took that. And it's like, ooh, that's well, not fun. That's a good, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get the vaccine. I took this and oh, it bounced man. me back, but now I shit myself. <laughs> oh my God. How would that even happen? I don't know. The Well, you know, I mean, this, this, that raises such a good point about science in general, especially science in a very complicated environment, like treating a virus among the population where everybody responds differently to the virus and everybody responds differently to drugs. And then the question is, is there a drug that everybody would respond to that would help the, you know, treat the virus? And, you know, there's a really widely distributed comic from XKCD, um, which is a 
researcher standing over a petri dish holding a gun and pointing it at the cells in the dish and uh and the, the you know the the message is like yeah just because it kills something in the dish isn't doesn't mean it's something you want to put in your body you know oh yeah so um that's a lot of these studies were theoretical you know maybe leading up to potentially a mechanism that you could design a drug to target uh you know by looking at if you put you know ivermectin in a petri dish and saw that it slowed viral replication maybe you could derive a drug that would do that if you could get it to the right spot in the body um so you know drug delivery is is the name of the game really it's not really it's not about drug or vitamins or this or that it's about making sure that you get the molecule to where it will actually do what you want it to do before it's either digested by the stomach uh digested by the gut bacteria uh you know transformed into something while it's in your blood even if it makes through all that stuff um so that's super complicated um there's have you heard of NAD boosters? No. By any chance? Okay, so NAD is a, uh, a molecule that's used by the cells in your body to do work, basically. Um, and as you get older, your NAD availability goes down. And that's one of the one of the things that people think that causes aging is the the loss of NAD which just kind of spirals and NAD helps repair your cells and helps keep your DNA in the right spot and helps power your mitochondria and all this stuff. And as you get older, you have less of it around and cells start misbehaving and start misfunctioning. And that leads to, you know, some of that can lead to aging or the hallmarks of aging. So there's um there's molecules that they call NAD boosters or NAD boosters and Tom Brady is famous for taking them, um, and they're supposed to increase your NAD levels and help you age better. Um, and there's two sort of mainstream molecules NMN and NR, so nicotinamide mononucleotide and nicotinamide riboside, and those two molecules, uh. Are they've discovered a pathway in the body where NMN can turn into NAD and NR can turn into NAD. Uh, your body can do that. Um, but there's a debate about whether NMN or NR is better. And, of course, the people in the NR camp actually sell NR. <laughs> and the people <laughs> in the NMN camp uh, don't necessarily sell NMN, but they're thinking about it, you know. Uh, so, so you need these NAD boosters um, to to thrive or whatever. Uh, but nobody really knows if taking NMN or taking NR by the mouth, if eating it, will actually help you raise your NAD levels. Which is sort of the point of um, you know, should I take ivermectin? Well, in a petri dish, you can put. NMN and NR or in a mouse you can put NMN or NR make them drink the water and you'll see that certain effects and you'll measure that NAD levels might go up but nobody really knows if it's actually getting into your cells if it's actually you know helping you live better or younger so there's a big debate um, and I just read a research paper on NR 
where they studied what happens if you eat it. And actually, um, so there's there's something called niacin, one of the B vitamins also can turn into NAD in your body. And that's for, in fortified foods. Um, you can also take it as a supplement. Um, but niacin can cause your skin to be red. It can cause flushing. Uh, so people don't take it, even though it's good for oh, you. Oh, I have um, heard of that. People used to talk about that back when I was in like high school. They'd be like, oh, I got a piss yep. test coming up. So I'm going to take a bunch of niacin and that's going <laughs> to make it look like I don't smoke pot. <laughs> yeah, it's like, did I it work? And they were like, true. well, I was red and sweaty all night. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Apparently it dilates your blood vessels. So, you know, it makes you look redder. Um, but I guess that's harmless. In fact, I think it's probably good for you, but it's uncomfortable sometimes for people. So, so anyway, so it turns out that if you take NR, if you eat it, then in your gut, the gut bacteria, some of it is just turned into niacin before your, your body takes it. So, you know, one of the questions is, well, should you go buy this expensive supplement or just take niacin, which is super cheap, you know? Um, so there's, there's, it's not fully digested into niacin. It is goes into your liver. It goes into other places, raises the NAD level in your blood. So, um, you know, there, it might be more than just taking niacin, but anyway, the point is that even the the people that discover this do clinical trials on it. They do all these studies on it. Nobody really knows what it's really doing yet. I mean, it's going to be a while before we tease out all the results, but, um, right now it's just mice and they're finally getting into human trials. But, but that's the point is like ivermectin, you read a study, even if it's published in a journal, someone could totally find that ivermectin, ivermectin kills COVID virus particles or reduces their rate of replication or something changes the dynamics of infection somehow in a petri dish but that is a long way from actually you know <laughs> being a therapeutic thing <laughs> yeah you and know? apparently so, you're risking long-term incontinence <laughs> yeah which, that's not great <laughs> no <laughs> So no, it immediately makes me think of pharmaceutical gonna... ads with all the laundry list of side effects that you don't want to get into. Are you harmed by horse dewormer? <laughs> I mean, and that's the you know, it's the thing is like people were taking it, not even the human because there, you know, there is a you take it for parasite infections or for other things. Like there's a human version for other things, but some of these people were just taking it out of the medicine cabinet and like overdosing on it and or going to the pet store and buying it because they don't Ugh. understand. Like it's not just the drug. It's the delivery system. It's it's what is it packaged in? Is it surrounded? Is it binded? Is it bound to another molecule like all magnesium supplements? You can't just take magnesium. It has to be bound to a, a larger molecule. So there's all the different types of magnesium you can get, like magnesium sulfate and magnesium taurate and all the different, depending on what that other molecule you want, you know, you're going to get something else because you need it to make it work. So, you know, you don't just want to go to the store, buy magnesium and like grind it in your basement and eat it, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> it's just like, that's the thing about it. It's like, well, maybe ivermectin would, but not just off the shelf ivermectin. I don't think that makes sense even if even if you can show it in in a lab because it's not necessarily going to get where COVID is and it's not necessarily going to stop the replication where COVID is you know so hmm yeah it's 
Uh, all that stuff is so far over my head that. And hydro- hydroxychloroquine, that was the other one. Oh, it's yeah. the exact same idea. And I just saw I just saw the same two, or I just saw two just final studies, like global studies, hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. Neither of them had any impact on um, on COVID. And, you know, and that was the thing is like people would say, well, you need to take it prophylactically. If you already get sick, it's too late. And all the clinical trials were on people that were already sick. And then they gave them ivermectin and then they don't see a result, you know. And it's like, well, okay. so then you keep looking. So finally, they looked at across all these people that did it prophylactically or did it after they got sick or did it when they first got sick. You know, they looked at the full gamut and there was no no effect on covid you know, progression. And I mean, it makes sense because there's really no way to explain how they would, how it would actually work, you know? So I have no idea what prophylactically means. I know a prophylactic, isn't that what they called condoms? Like when people were doing the hand jive? uh, I don't know. In Greece. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) it's a, it's a, (laughs) it's a, um, Prophylactic means like a, a preventative medicine. Like you take it, you're, oh, gotcha. you're not sick, but you take it in case you get exposed and it will protect you, you know? So like I'll take vitamin C prophylactically, you know, not because I'm sick, but just to help prevent me from getting sick, you know? I like it. Big fan of learning new yeah. words, James. <laughs> oh, I, I, you know, I'm a huge fan of like telling my students like this is great for parties. Get ready, some cool trivia or a new word. <laughs> so, there's your new word for the day: prophylactic. <laughs> um, so are you pretty stoked about the the Large Hadron Collider spooling back up? You know, I'm not actually. <laughs> um, <laughs> So for people who don't know, I guess I've been working on the Large Hadron Collider since like 2003 as a high school student. Um, and it was like the coolest thing in the world. So I was like, yeah, let's do it. I'm in. Um, and then in 2008 or 2009, it turned on for the first time. It took 30 years to build and everything. And uh, then it exploded that first year. And so it, they delayed it. And they uh, um, had to figure out why it exploded, and it just it got too hot. The magnets, magnets got too hot, and they exploded. <laughs> so they had to figure out a way to keep them from getting so hot. And um, you know, like you get wiring in your walls, it has to be a certain gauge. If it's too small, oh, it yeah. gets hot, and you could have a fire. So it, that's the same idea: is that the wires, the wires, the connections, they were running too much too much current through the wires, and they got too hot. And uh, it caused the helium, which was liquid, to uh, become a gas, to heat up to a gaseous state, and it exploded. Um, oh, that's The magnets scary. are like, yeah, the magnets are like 75 feet long or something. And the magnet exploded, and it like hit the top. I mean, it's like weighs like two tons or something, and it just hit the top of the tunnel, boom! And uh, and that and it took out like a hundred other magnets on on the on the ring the ring is uh um is uh five miles in diameter so it's um i think it's 17 miles in circumference so when one of the magnets and there's like 1600 magnets stacked around it 
or something like that. I'm I'm making up numbers. I may be completely wrong. It's been a while since I said that, but that sounds about <laughs> right. Um, and uh, it took like a hundred of them out. They had to refurbish a hundred of them or so because it just pulled them all out of their alignment and messed them all up. Um, and so then they had to figure out. So their weld joints were not great. Uh, they couldn't they couldn't measure resistance small enough based on using like a voltmeter. And so it turns out that what they had to do was just run the current through them and put a temperature probe on it. And if it got too hot, then they had to redo the weld. And that's how they uh, that's how they they fixed it. So anyway, it was delayed like a couple years, a year and a half. They got it back online and ran for a long time. It discovered the Higgs boson like right away, like 2012. And the Higgs boson was predicted in 1964. And uh, so it was kind of like, we found it. We expected to. It's exactly as we thought it would be. Uh, so no, nothing new, no new physics. But we confirm our 60-year-old idea. <laughs> so, um, and then it's been nothing. It's it's literally done. I mean, the people involved would probably be mad at me, but it's it's really not done anything useful to uh explain the questions that we haven't had answers to for the last 60 years so um we basically figured out the standard model in the 1960s which explains all particle physics and it doesn't explain dark matter doesn't explain dark energy doesn't explain uh the antimatter matter asymmetry in the universe it doesn't explain you know several things open questions about our universe uh, that we haven't been able to answer for 60 years, and we were supposed to be able to see hints of new physics, as we call it, something that the standard model doesn't predict and something that wouldn't fit in the standard model and would force us to come up with a new, uh, you know, better explanation to account for dark matter, dark energy, gravity, black holes, all that sort of stuff. And that was why they built the LHC. It wasn't just for the Higgs boson, it was for all these other things. And uh, and it it hasn't found anything, literally nothing. Um, it's it's found maybe a couple hints of a matter antimatter asymmetry in B, in the B physics B quark sector, but I don't know if it can really probe that. Um, so I'm not expecting anything really out of the next couple of years. I don't I don't know if anything groundbreaking will come out of it. I doubt it. So, you know, it's fine. It's cool, but I'm honestly wondering what the next step is more than anything because I think that this is sort of the end of the road. Uh they're not really talking about upgrading it again or or even going through with a lot of the upgrades they planned over the next 10 years or so. It just it really depends on the next 2 or 3 years of operation if they find anything if there's no hint of anything then they'll probably just shut it down you know so it's crazy to be honest wow so so they think yeah. that so it's possible you guys have discovered everything that is to be discovered with just speeding up uh atoms and smashing them together no it <laughs> is possible that the lhc is not big enough to find anything else oh okay Damn, and, the, yep. and it's the largest machine ever created by man. Yes. Yep. Wow, that is so, mind blowing. So you mentioned yeah, a they, handful they, of things that the, the, you guys were hoping to find out of that. What what was what one of those would have been like the most exciting for you? So the the 
it's it's kind of dumb because you know when I started to get involved, I didn't really understand any of it. And then as I got older, whatever, I started to see it. And now I'm kind of like disillusioned because I'm like, who's running this? <laughs> and <laughs> there's there's a um, this theory. It's called supersymmetry. And it's it's it explains a lot of these. Uh, you know, it's re- it's really irritating because I don't want to sound like a super Debbie Downer person, but um it's it's supersymmetry is one of those models, one of those ideas that you can make explain anything. So dark matter, sure, supersymmetry. Uh, quantum gravity, sure, supersymmetry. Uh, you know, because it's just it's just this thing that you can make be anything you want. And so it can't, it doesn't predict anything. There's no experimental evidence. You know, it's, it's just, it's like, it's part of string theory. It's, it's part of this idea of string theory. Um, and string theory is the same thing there. It's not like one theory. It's not like, it's a hypothesis. It's a, it's hundreds of different formulations, hundreds of different ideas that could, you could be anything. So at the Large Hadron Collider, it was supposed to see hints of supersymmetry. And there's, there's this idea. So, so in order to create, well, in order to, you know, if you want to really destroy a car, you don't want to hit it at a slow speed. You want to really hit it, right? If you want to blow it up and see what it's made out of, you know? And the same thing is true with, with particles or, or physics at the smallest scales. If you want to probe the very quantum interactions, you need very high energies to get really close and so get these particles close to each other to force them to interact in ways they don't normally interact so that you could see the laws of physics there. And in order to um, do that, you need a very high energy. And so this ring of magnets is 17 miles in circumference, almost 30 kilometers in circumference. And you accelerate protons uh, in opposite directions around the ring, accelerate them at close to the speed of light because you need to constantly circulate them to get them up to speed uh, so they need to put it in a ring like that so you can just keep accelerating it uh, but there's a certain there's only so much energy you can put into that ring you know on a merry-go-round if you go too fast you just fly right off mm-hmm. you, you just can't hold on so the size of that ring as big as it is that's the sort of the limiting factor for how fast you can get the particles to go so the idea is if the LHC can't see evidence of supersymmetry at these energies, then we are probably in a landscape where the next size collider you would need. So the LHC would be able to tell us something. And if it doesn't see anything, we would need a, a collider like the size of our solar system <laughs> to, oh, to wow. get to the next yeah, to get to the next, to be able to actually probe. If there's no hints at this energy, then there's no point to making one that's twice as big because you're going to look at the same area. You're going to look at the same physics, you know? So the the supersymmetric, supersymmetric particles, as they call them, the LHC, if supersymmetry super has any chance, really, then you should be able to see hints of it at the LHC, and there has been none, absolutely none. Um, 
And uh, so that means that a super symmetric person would say, oh, well, we just need to go to higher energies. And it's like, okay, well, <laughs> you can always say that, you know? So it's, it's, it's like, you know, there's, there's literally no, there's no more or less reason to put your faith into super symmetry at this point, or Susie as they call it. I mean, there's just, it's just, you know, maybe still, I guess, maybe super symmetry, maybe string theory, maybe something, but the, you know, it's probably not going to come out of a collider at this point, huh. which is kind of sucks because colliders are super cool. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, the, just the thought of it is really amazing that, that you would take these, right. you know, two atoms and get them going to what is it, like ninety nine percent the speed of light in opposite 99. directions. Ninety nine percent the speed of light. That's really damn fast. Eleven eleven nines. <laughs> <laughs> and like the the speed yeah. of light's like like one hundred and eighty six thousand miles per second. Or something like Correct. that, and change like that yep. is mind-bogglingly, mind-bogglingly fast. Um, yes, is is light always like? Does light is light always move at a constant speed? Does like it ever slower than that, or it's just a photon? This is just the one speed it goes at. Yeah, a photon always goes at the speed of light. Um, the macro effect of light, like if you put a flashlight onto a piece of glass or a laser into a piece of glass you can get it to bend you can get it to slow down um, but what's actually happening is the photons are being absorbed and re-emitted by the atoms in the medium uh and so it takes time for that process to happen so it looks like light is slowing down but really it's just scattering off all the atoms and so more dense materials scatter more and you know and materials that are so dense you can't even put light through them <laughs> You know, they're just, you put a flashlight on a keyboard, you're not going to see light coming out the other end. You know, that's, <laughs> that's, it's just, they're just absorbing the light and reflecting it right back out, you know, or absorbing it permanently, stealing all the energy from the photons. So yeah, photons always go at the speed of light. That's odd. That is so cool. Um, yep. It's because they are massless. They have no mass. Hmm. Yeah, because. Yep. Uh, and according to Einstein's theory of relativity, nothing with mass can actually go the speed of light because it, it kind of right. turns into this infinite loop to where you'd have to dump an infinite amount of energy in and its mass is going to keep increasing, thereby requiring yes. more energy to get it going faster. And Yes, because energy and mass are equivalent. E equals mc squared. So energy and mass are equivalent. If you add energy, you're essentially adding mass. So that's that. <laughs> the, um, know. there was something I saw or or read a long time ago. I I don't even remember it at this point if I read it or saw it. But they were talking about how since you couldn't actually get a a physical spaceship going that fast, instead you have to influence the fabric of space and yes. and get the fabric of space to actually push something really fast. Cause that doesn't violate Einstein's uh, law of relativity, right? Like, yeah. Kind of like creating I'm like a, to, like a bubble or something like that, that kind of pushes it. To, it's the out. I can't remember how to pronounce it, but it's like the Alcu. I'm looking it up right now. Uh, oh, come on. Give me the pronunciation. Um, Alcu. 
Bier Drive, I think. Alcubierre. Uh, it's named after a guy. So yeah, the idea is that you, if you warp space, uh, you can you can ride basically a gravitational wave at the speed of light um, through through the universe. So if you're able to create that wave, you can ride it. You know, there's no reason why you can't create a wave and ride it at the speed of light through the universe. Um, the issue is generating that wave. How do you actually create that wave? Um, there, when, when he first came up with this idea, the, when Al Cubier or whatever his name is, um, he, he required exotic mass, you know, some sort of mass that could do this. Um, but recent formulations, I think, uh, the last I read about it recently, um, I think you can do it with normal mass, with just regular stuff. Um, so, you know. Mm, it's possible. <laughs> you just need to first have something that will influence gravity in a way that you could create like a gravity wave. But yeah, but right now the only that, things that have done that has been like collisions between black holes, right? Well, yeah, I mean, technically you're making gravitational waves every time you move around. Um, the Earth is, I mean, that's what gravity is, is a distortion in space-time caused by mass or energy, which are equivalent. So uh, with with two black holes merging, the gravitational waves are significant enough that you can detect them with the gravitational wave observatories that we have, um, the laser interferometers. Um, like LIGO? But they, yeah, LIGO and Virgo, and there's another one. The, um, the Virgo and LIGO, they detect gravitational waves that influence the distortion of space and time on the order of the width of the diameter of a proton or something just just so even black holes merging the most energetic thing to occur in the entire universe the gravitational waves they produce are still quite small in in scale uh you know it's not like if you were sitting in the in a solar system with the black holes and they merged i don't think that you would even even that situation would not give you something you could perceive you know so and that's a I mean, mind-boggling amount but, of energy but, yeah it's like all of the stars in the universe combined from the entire history of the universe all released at once <laughs> <laughs> oh just that <laughs> yeah it's like unimaginable <laughs> <laughs> well, there was that one article i sent you that had to do with with black holes two i, I was it two supermassive black holes that were spinning around each other and then one of them got shot off. And yeah, after they merged, it got it. It gained a it gained a kick, basically like an angular momentum, you know, kick, and just kind of it gave it gave it a you know, I don't know, just it just gave it a, a enough of a velocity vector to get it out of the galaxy, I guess. Wow. So and, and that kind of happens with like stars and planets right now. Yeah, I mean, that can yeah. happen on a smaller scale around other black holes. Um, I remember watching a documentary where they were talking about rogue black holes and rogue planets, and it was yep. the result of of gravity. Kind of, kind of like if you're on a merry-go-round and you get tossed exactly. off, it's yep. that on a cosmic scale. Which I can't think exact of anything more frightening. I don't know what would be more frightening: a rogue black hole traveling at insanely fast speeds that could just go whipping through, you know, like a a, a 
I mean, but space is so mind-bogglingly large anyway. But yes, I think the I planet one might be scarier to all of a sudden have your planet get ripped out of your solar system and just get off into like the cold dead just of ejected. space. Yeah, just ejected into nothing. Yeah, that'd be that'd be wild. <laughs> and then you'd, you'd have no solar panels or anything. You just have to like burn all the other resources on your planet until there was none, and you would just die. I mean, the, the, yeah. that would just be a cold death for that planet eventually, right? It would just eventually turn oh, yeah. into a dirty snowball. Yep, yep, yep. Wow, space is so metal. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the... Dude, The it's, it's, it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, you know, the more you think about it, it's like, what the hell, you know? This place is a nightmare. It's a nightmare of nightmares. It's not fantastic. <laughs> the sun is horrifying. You don't want to go anywhere near the sun. Oh, it's this beautiful. It's the sun. No, it's killing you every time you go outside. It's it's t- it's tearing your DNA into pieces. Yes, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's emitting radiation that is ripping your right. DNA apart. Like, be go so thankful inside. for your ozone layer and the distance, right? You know, between exactly. us and the sun. And well, when you think yeah. about all those things. The what a precarious balance that it takes for life to persist on Earth, and the fact that yeah. you know our moon, which is so much larger than other moons, and it kind of maintains this tilt of the Earth that gives us these seasons, and yeah. it, it's wild. Um, but again, like like when you look at pictures like the, like the Hubble was it the Deep Field, where yeah. there's just an insane. I mean, it's like all these pinpoints of lights, and every one of them is a galaxy. Yeah, thousands of galaxies in a grain of sand held at arm's length. Yep. <laughs> it's the space is just so big and there's so much in it that I don't know. I know we've had this talk before about about aliens and, and life out there and, and and that was one of the ones that you were a Debbie Downer about <laughs> in the past. But I, I still hold on to the belief that space is just so big that it it, it there has to be it has to be big enough for for this coincidence that happened here on earth and in our solar system to take place in other places Wait, are you under the impression that i do not agree with you uh well no not on that i i think it was oh, okay. more I, i'm getting i'm getting to the part that you disagreed with me with and that was the aliens okay. that ever actually visited us oh um, well you know maybe <laughs> but I, I still maintain that if they did there, there'd be a you know there'd be a poop stain somewhere a poop stain? Yeah, like they would have done something to the earth, left something behind. You know, <laughs> an obvious an obvious skid mark. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like it seems it seems weird that it would just be some weirdo's apartment that they took him out of, you know? <laughs> have you seen the the different footage with like the the UAPs that the government's starting to yeah. release? Those yeah. that is really really fascinating the the Tic Tac video. Yes, I don't understand it. I don't. Um the thing that that I think the thing that when I listen to the pilot talk about it um Commander he, David he Fraver about, I I can't remember which one it was, but he was talking about how he saw it and as he spiraled down to take a closer look at it, it spiraled up to take a closer look at him. And then when they got real close to each other, he said, it just disappeared. And, you know, to me, 
my mind immediately thought of some sort of optical phenomenon that was obviously there. You could obviously see because multiple people saw it. So it wasn't like something didn't exist there. And it was picked up on radar too. Right. Picked up on radar, but radar is just optical signals reflecting off, you know, if you can see something with your eye, that's radar. That's, that's light being scattered off that object that your eye is seeing that's being reflected back to your eye. It, it should do the same thing to radio waves. I would think if it's, if it's a, you know, uh, but you know, I don't know if it's, if it's a bubble in the air like that, it's hard to, it's hard to imagine what that would be if it, if it was some sort of optical phenomenon, but I, I would not be surprised if it was, let's put it that way. But there's a lot of people that have seen it now, not just that one pilot, but, you know, several pilots. So it makes you wonder if it's an actual flying thing, if it's an actual object or if it's something else, if it's alien, if it's not. I don't know, but I'm still I'm still I still think it's plausible that it's just some weather phenomenon because of just the descriptions that they said and. But, you know, it was very real. Obviously, they really saw it. It was not something that wasn't there, you know? Mm-hmm. So, it, it, it's... I don't know what to make of it. I don't know. Well, while we're on that same subject, did you happen to watch that documentary on Netflix about Bob Lazar? Uh, you know, I don't think I did. I've I've watched a lot of stuff on Bob Lazar, but I don't think I watched that one. The, I, th- I think it's the same guy that the uh, who's the guy is it the documentary by that call, call uh, Jeremy Tommy Corbin, Tim- Jeremy Corbin. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Bob Lazar's okay, yeah, story yeah. was Jeremy. very interesting where he was talking about that. I think it was like in the seventies or something like that. He got hired and got taken to this site. That's, you know, like adjacent to area 51 and the government yeah, was for, Something like that. And they brought him in yep. to reverse engineer what they said were alien crafts. And he said that that there was no wires inside it. Basically, the entire thing looked like it had been 3D printed for something much smaller than regular sized humans. And there right. was some sort of power plant in it. And then two projectors that basically created directional like gravity wells. And that's what caused right. these things to move so quickly. And it's like... I don't know, but but with me, it's like, you know, I I want to believe, I want this stuff to be true so bad. So oh, yeah. it's, it's easy totally. for me to totally. like watch a documentary like that and be like, oh yeah, there's aliens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, no, I mean, I, I, I have followed him for a long time. Uh, I, there was that woman um, who wrote about Area 51, um, wrote a, a, a good book about it, interviewed someone who worked there and said that the... The craft that crashed that Bob Lazar saw was actually, um, you know, something sent over by Stalin with little midgets in it. And that's what crashed. And they had the bodies of these midgets that were like they were they were forced to be midgets by their doctors, like, you know, stunted growth or something like that. And uh, and that's that's and they were sent to scare us or something that, you know. I don't. Yeah. Oh, okay. And so, yeah. I mean, so there's a consistent thread there that something came over that crashed and that that Area 51, you know, took over. But you know, if you look at S4, if you look at 
where it's purported to be. And you can do it on Google Earth. You can see Area 51 clearly. There's there's no infrastructure. There's no roads. There's no... Because he talked about hangar doors in the side of a mountain that you, he drove up to. Well, there would be a road that you would see. You know, there's none of that. And when I watched... Because he's been in, in the news about this forever. And every time I watch him, I can I just get the sense that he's just making it up. Because you can, uh, he's got to think about, oh, I forget now, I got to think about it, and oh, and this, and there's just some things that, you know, it's just one of those, like, is it possible that all these people worked on this and only one's willing to come forward? I doubt it, you know? So, and he did work at Los Alamos, there's no doubt about that. He, he was, he definitely worked there, but there, I don't think there's any record of him doing anything beyond that so yeah maybe, yeah maybe he worked at i actually i think maybe he did work at area 51 i can't remember if he actually made it over there but i know for sure he worked at los alamos um but you know i don't know so there's there's plenty of i i'm not i'm a skeptic i'm i'm i'd love to there's no doubt in my mind that aliens absolutely or life absolutely exists somewhere else in the universe um, that's undeniable, I think at this point, but it's also, you know, kind of hard to imagine life actually find other life out there finding us and then not being obvious <laughs> if it found <laughs> us, you know, you know, like, oh, is it just one alien spacecraft that crashed? That would be kind of weird, but and, you know, and they all crashed at the same time that we were doing all these, you know, U-2 spy plane research at Area 51. It seems a little, you know, seems a little coincidental. So I, I, I my personal opinion is Area 51 is uh, where the United States developed the U-2 spy plane, the SR-71 Blackbird, the CIA surveillance aircraft, um, the all the drones that we use, all the stealth aircraft we use now. The Black Hawk that was used to get Obama, not Obama, Osama, uh, the stealth Black Hawk that nobody's ever seen. Nobody's ever seen it. It crashed, and we got a weird-looking tail, but nobody's ever actually seen it. So, I mean, definitely they're, they're developing that at Area 51, you know. So that's how I that's how I view, and just just knowing how hard it is to do anything. There's not that many people at Area 51, so in order to make a stealth, you know, Blackhawk or something, you're going to need all those people to do it. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know if there's enough people there to do that and aliens, you know? So I don't know. That's, yeah. That's, that's well, my take. And, and what you said also about, you know, all this time, all those people that would have had to have been working on stuff like this and only one person so far has come out and said anything it's hard to get people to keep a secret. And that's that's always the right. biggest nail in the coffin on the people who are the like the we didn't go to the moon conspiracy yeah. people. And it's like, really? You right. got all those people to shut the fuck up about that for that many years? Right. Yeah. Like, no that way. in itself is like, no, we we definitely went to the moon. Yeah. <laughs> like, come yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Russia would have been the first one to, t you know, Soviet Union, USSR would have been the first one to say, no, they didn't look. You know, they they tracked it just like we tracked it. You know, we definitely went. Oh, that's another really that, valid you know, point. You're right. And that's you know, that's that's how we won was to say, like, look, man, we could put nukes on the moon. Don't mess with us. 
and that was that, you know. They're like, okay, I guess you, you know, so. Hmm. Now they're finding crashed Russian jets in Ukraine that have uh, uh, like a regular Garmin the GPS GPS yeah, tape to the oh dash. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> it's so bad. You know, uh, to just to briefly talk about that, I know this is all. Uh, I'm a scientist, and this is you know we're talking about physics and everything. But this, you know, I for a long time I bought into the so the the Vladimir Putin is a is a cunning genius you know, iron fisted, you know, just smart guy who's, you know, piece by piece rebuilding the Soviet Union and blah, blah, blah. And he's recreating Russia and doing all these great things, you know? I bought that. I bought that he was the smart guy. And after this Ukraine war fiasco, I realized that he's the exact same person as Donald Trump. Yeah, right. Uh, just... Just like an egomaniac who can't do anything right, even even when he's got the wind to his back. And, you know, I just I view them as like the same sort of person because they, they can't stand to be criticized. They demand excellence, but they don't know how to get it. And they think that sycophants are the way to get excellence. So they demand excellent, you know, stuff but they don't ever really achieve it because they surround themselves with only people that will you know kiss the ring and if you look at russia now that's that's everybody that's around putin is just like yes sir whatever you do whatever you say sir you know and none of them are excellent none of them are really good at at what they do uh and now you've got this war that's just going horribly wrong for them um They've lost twenty five thousand soldiers already, you know, to the the last report I saw out of the hundred thousand that they set sent in. That's that's insane, and you know, that's that's you know killed as far as I'm aware. So it's it's probably two or three times more than that that are injured somehow. That's the the normal, I guess, battlefield factor or whatever. So. You know, there's no way if Putin is some cunning, capable, smart, shady, you know, person, there's no way this happens if that's true. You know, it's just, there's no way. So I I just view him as an incompetent egomaniac who talks a big game, but is actually just a fool, you know? That is really what he's looking like on the world stage as a result of all this. I mean, he's really shown the world that the Russia is just kind of this paper bear. It's, it's not, yeah. it's, yep. I mean, they've got tanks that are like military equipment that's falling apart. Um, you know, soldiers that are in a battle zone that didn't even know that they were going to a battle zone ill-equipped, right. uh, you right. know, using technology that was like cold war tech. It's, it's wild. Yeah. I mean, just just the fact that they go someplace and they get kicked out right away, that just tells you right there that something is deeply wrong. <laughs> because, you know, everything I heard at the beginning of this was, was uh, well, good luck, Ukraine. It was a fun time. Good, you know, it's nice that you were a country for a while, but, you know, this is the end. <laughs> and then it was like they just got their butts kicked by Ukraine. And... 
you know, Ukraine, I, the latest estimate I saw is that they've lost 3,000 soldiers has, have died due to the war compared to the 25,000 lost by Russia. And that's unimaginable to me, you know? I mean, it's unimaginable what Russia is doing to Ukraine in the first place. I can't believe it. It's insane. The amount of war but, crimes that they've committed. And it's like, dude, it's, it's, just, it's 2022. Disgusting. There's cameras it's disgusting. everywhere. You can't you can't just go and, and wave your hands back. That didn't happen. And it's like, it's on it's, video, you moron. It's like, madness. you can see it's video of you guys stopping in the road and shooting at an ambulance. Or, or like, the yeah. amount of hospitals and schools and stuff that you've deliberately targeted. And right. it just makes me wonder because, you know, the, the still the it's big conquering. fear with they Russia. They want to conquer. You know? Yeah. And, and it's Putin trying to look strong and, and save face in front of his people. And he's doing right. the, the classic move of, oh, my right. country's failing. I'm uh, yeah. Yep. St- start a yep. war. And, yep. and it's like, dude, this, that was the worst thing that you could have done because at this point in the world, People don't want these fucking wars like this going on. And to do this in Europe, these people right. have long memories. They remember World War II. They don't want this going on there. Nobody wants a war right. anywhere. Right. But to do this on the world stage like that, and really the only thing, I think like, you know, the big ace in the hole that they've still got is this giant nuclear arsenal. But right. when, you look, exactly. when you look at the state of all this other military equipment they have, I... I question, I'm sure lots of other people question, what sort of state are those nukes in? Because it takes, I'd imagine it takes a hell of a lot more maintenance than an oil change every 3,000 miles on a car to, yeah. to, to keep a nuclear warhead in working order. I mean, you that's yeah, something that you'd you probably be able to speak to. You know. Well, yeah, you, I mean, the, the, as far as I know, the I mean, I'm not an expert on nuclear weapons, but as far as I know, the the nuclear part is okay. Uh, that that is going to be fine for a long time. But what you need to do when you when you detonate a nuclear bomb is is you need to force the material together in order to to become a, a nuclear reaction, right? Um, and so you use a you use a uh, a regular you know sort of uh, bomb. I don't know what you would call it a detonation source of some kind, just a traditional uh, trigger system. I'm trying to remember the name of what you would call that, but a detonation source, I guess. And that, that deteriorates over time. You know, you're, you don't, you're not guaranteed that if you pull the pin on a hand grenade from world war two, that it's going to work, you know, Um, you don't, don't try it, but (laughs) you know, odds are that it won't explode even if you pull the trigger, right. Or some of those, you know, but, I mean, sometimes that's because it's left over and didn't go off in the first place. But so something was wrong when it was manufactured. But in any case, traditional uh, conventional munitions, they are they have a shelf life. They're not going to just blow up consistently after a certain amount of time. So, you know, you have to replace the triggers on the nukes to make sure that they will detonate when you want them to. And you have to maintain those. And, and yeah, so I don't you know, I don't know if that's going on. I don't know. If they just keep all these nukes in a basement somewhere, I have no idea. So, and he really seems to be know. surrounded yeah, it, by it people who are afraid of telling the truth anyway. So it's like, how are our nu- well, how how is our nuclear arsenal, comrade? Oh, it's great. <laughs> it's in really tip top shape, Vlad. So 
the the way there's this guy Bill Browder. Have you heard of him? No. Um, let me check the name. Bill Browder. Yes. Okay. He was a, a investor in Russia, and his business partner was arrested by the Russian government, put in jail, and killed. And he was not guilty of anything, but the Russian government wanted his assets and took them. And Bill Browder was uh, is he's American. Uh, I think British. I don't know if he's American and British or one or the other, but he was born in America. He's a, he lives in London now, and he it became his life's mission to uncover the corruption that is the Russian state because he he owes it to his business partner who died for no reason, and uh, and his opinion of Vladimir Putin is that he is just a tired old autocrat who uh, he calls him a kleptocrat. Um, just steals from the people in order to enrich him, enrich himself, and he thinks that the whole war that is going on right now is because Putin was worried that after COVID his approval rating went quite far down, actually, and he was worried that there would be an uprising and he would get ousted, and so this war is only to uh, reinforce his grip on the Russian state, and that's how he views every calculation and every decision that Vladimir Putin makes is, will it help him hold power? Will it help him keep his, you know, self rich or whatever? Um, and, uh, I tend to, after I, I read that, I tend to agree that that seems like the most, uh, cause you know, what is the point of the war? It's to pick a fight with the West. That's the point. It's not to invade Ukraine or take Ukraine or take a territory or any of this stuff. Because they 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 would have done something differently. Um, it's only to pick a fight with the West, so that the Russian people, and as long as he controls the media, the Russian people will see it as the West is attacking Russia. And at that point, that is you know that's your classic dictator move. You know that oh they're attacking us. Oh, don't worry, I'll protect you. And uh, will someone protect us? Oh, let Vladimir, let's do it. You know. So I think that uh, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think that he's just been stealing from the people. So all these tax dollars that went to the government to fund maintenance of the nuclear program or maintenance of their jets or maintenance of their missiles. You know, you see their jets are crap. Their missiles, they've already ran out. They don't have any missiles. And, you know. They were supposed to be, apparently, they were supposed to have been buying off Ukrainian uh, politicians in order to make the invasion easier. Um, and apparently, they <laughs> he's surrounded by people that are so corrupt, they're just pocketing the money that is supposed to be a, have been used for these things. So it is very possible that someone is getting paid to maintain the nuclear warheads and is not maintaining the nuclear warheads. <laughs> You know, it is very possible that that they're just pocketing the money rather than actually do do what they're supposed to be doing. And you're seeing that in their military now and why it's failing so much is because the generals have just been pocketing the money that they were supposed to use for all of the things, you know. So it's just super corrupt over there. Uh, yeah, that is. Man, people get into positions of power 
And if they stay there too right. long, they start getting comfortable and they start coming yep. up with reasons in their head on, you know, like, oh, this, I'm ordained to be here. This is my right, right to have right. all this. And have, have you yep, seen exactly. the, the amount of uh, Russian oligarchs that have died under mysterious circumstances over the last few months? It's, it's close like almost, to 20 now. Almost 10. Is it 20? I think it's- Last it's, I saw it was at least 10. It's, 10. it's, I'm pretty sure it's in the teens now. Yeah. Bear in mind, nuts. most of my info comes from Reddit. So- <laughs> That's actually a good spot to get info from. Oh, I, I, dude, I am obsessed with Reddit. I, I spend yeah, far right. too much time doom scrolling through there. Yep. Every one of those articles yeah, I sent you originated from Reddit, dude. <laughs> doom scrolling 100%. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Seven in the last, just the, this headline, seven death. Seven dead oligarchs just in the last like month. So, you know, I, you know, I don't know. It's, I don't know what's in it for all these people to do all this stuff. It just seems crazy. That's wild. It's madness. It's no, it, madness. it is. It and is. You, it's absolute madness. You fly, out, you fly out into space and you think about all this crap and you go, oh my God, is it madness? It's so madness. <laughs> <laughs> when you put it in the context of the cosmos and the universe. Like when you put I don't in, even want to kill a fly, you know. No, when I put things that happen here on Earth, especially like just the the bullshit that happens between human beings, when I put that in the context of going outside on a clear night, looking up at the sky, it makes everything here seem so petty and ridiculous. Yep. Where it's like, hey, yep. if if you could, if we could all just put aside the worst parts of human nature, you know, that make us treat each other like shit, because I always, and it sounds kind of hippy dippy, but I truly believe that we as human beings have it within our power to make life on earth, the absolute shit for every single person who lives here in actual build yep. a paradise on earth and have this society that could be something more like online with like Star Trek, you know, totally. That, and no it's, it's, there is no reason. The only things right. that hold it back are, are the shit parts of human nature where people see things that's different from them, you know, whether it's a, a different race, ethnicity, um, even down to something as simple as, oh, it's just a different community. You know, I mean, you can right. track it all the way down to something as petty as Marvel versus DC or take it all the way up to Russian versus Ukrainian or something like that. You know, it's it's that same shit of, oh, I'm in this camp and I have to hate this camp. It's like, no, you don't, because you know right. what? If you fucking cut us all open, we're all pretty much the same on the inside. We're all human beings. Like most yeah. people love their children and want a better future for those children. Why can't we right. like like well, come together on, right. on those common bits of the human right. experience? And and then shit could get really wild because space is so big and it's never it's this you know, again back to Star Trek, it is this final frontier of discovery right. that's out there that literally you can take the biggest, the biggest telescopes in the world and you're not seeing the fucking edge of it, dude. It just keeps right. going. There's right. all this out there and you want to just squabble over bits of dirt <laughs> on, on this planet. Or, or on the right. other hand, you want to try and vacuum up every bit of resource and then absolutely fuck over the planet in the short term. And it's like, right. dude, this is the only planet we live on right now. This is really right. all we got. Like what, right. 
And so, yeah, those bad parts of human nature, dude, they just, they ruin it for, for, for everybody. Yep. And it, you know, it, it, these, they're the mechanisms that we evolved in order to help survive for a community. That's a small community. You know, I, I don't, I don't think that humans ever, when evolution was, you know, creating homo sapiens and blah, 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 you know, it was tribes. It was, it was small communities. It was not an entire civilization of, of people trying to get along. Right. And so, so we have these, these mechanisms that make it harder to view the society or the civilization um, and easy to view you, your family, your community. I'm from Bettendorf or I'm from PV or I'm, you know, blah, I'm a Hawkeye. And, you know, so it's like, no, I'm from, I'm from Iowa State, you know, <laughs> like, what? you know how dumb it is to be a grown person rooting for a college team. Anyway, um, <laughs> how is that your identity? I don't get it. And I, you know, I don't want to be mean, but, um, it's like the way that that's, it's how we identify in a group. It's how we determine whether or not someone is friendly or foe is whether they believe the same things we do. And the easiest way to do that is to just, are you wearing the same hat as me? You know, <laughs> are you wearing a Hawkeye hat or a, you know, Iowa state hat, but, um, but it goes into, you know, like religions. And when you, when you look into religions, one of the things they teach is that we're all deeply flawed. And I think one of the, I mean, the reason for that is because whenever you try to do something, you have an ideal for what's perfect or what's good, but you have to understand that nobody can actually reach that ideal. And that's a weird you know, that's a weird thing to, to accept. Uh, because I, you know, I think about that when I interact with people, you know, that I work with or whatever, and you have certain expectations and they don't meet them and you can't really get mad because, well, who would, you know, who's this perfect person? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, so it's kind of like, you know, we, we have these expectations of people uh, that are too high sometimes. And then we have expectations that are too low sometimes. And then we have misunderstandings that get in the way. And, you know, it's like, it's easy for Russia to say, kill the Ukrainians when they're told that they're Nazis, you know? Yeah. So it's like, it's like, you know, we're told all the time that we killed Nazis and that's good. And, 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 the question is, well, did we or didn't we? And in every case, I don't know, <laughs> you know. So, you know, every time the U the U.S. gets into a war, you want to think that they're doing it for the right reasons. But I view the Iraq war the same way as I view the Ukrainian war that Russia's doing to Ukraine right now. Uh, OK, that's a strong statement. We certainly didn't do the same things in Iraq that um you know, you, you're talking more the reasoning behind it, not not methods yeah. and, and stuff like that. Yeah. But yeah, yeah no, I'm with you 100 percent because yeah. there were people in charge at the time that saw money to be made. If right. if hey, let's go in and start a war and oh, Cheney just happens to have connections with this company. 
Halliburton that's now right. going to get billions of dollars in contracts for. I mean, it right. was what I, I think Truman said it when he was going out of office. You got to be careful of this military. It was Eisenhower. Eisenhower. You got to be careful yep. of this military industrial complex because it right. is a giant machine that a lot of people are getting money off of. And, yep. and the way that America is now, I mean, America is, it's, it's, it's turned, it's really turning into a really disgusting thing that we're being ransomed by all these politicians that have been in office for years and years. They're absolute dinosaurs. Wherever in, in any company or anything like that, would you be like 70 year olds? That's who we want running this thing. No, they're not viewed as good employees. They're not the, the, those aren't, that isn't the, 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 the age group that like fortune 500 companies <laughs> are getting in the door because no, they, that's not, you start getting older and right. th- those are your, you know, your faculties starting to get a little bit, a little bit soft and stuff. You know, it's, it's Warren just, Buffett it's, would like a word with you. Hey, this, it, it just happens. It's just part right. of life, you know, and you get these people right. in office now that are all in their seventies. They've been there forever. They started office, maybe not wealthy. And now they're millionaires. And it's like, well, okay, so, well, I mean, they're going to be millionaires because they make 200 grand a year. And if you just save that, you'll be a millionaire, <laughs> you know, even probably whatever their retirement is there. But anyway, the if like, I mean, that's a, something I just have to push back just a little bit on just a little bit. No, please because, go ahead. Because I, I went through that period, too. And I, I, I was like. You know, the reason we have all these problems is because our elected officials are idiots and they're old and they're crappy and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, I started to kind of think through the thing and was like, okay, well, wait a second. And then I, you know, if you look at companies and you say, yeah, the CEO or the who, the so-and-so or whatever, yeah, they're younger folks or whatever, but nobody ever looks at the boards, the owners of the companies, the ones who actually, you know, own these things that hire the CEO, they're all the same age group because it's hard to you know, own a company at a young age. It's hard to be the owner of, you know, or on the board of some giant company when you're young. You just have to get there by being old, having tons of experience because you're advising. And, you know, what happens in Congress, these senators, these Congress people, they don't do really anything, but they manage these staffs and think tanks and these groups of people and their constituents and whatever. And, you know, they're doing tons of work below these persons. So it's not just like Nancy Pelosi gets up and decides what to do that day. You know, it's, you know, she gets up, what's the staff report? What's, what's on the docket? What's going on? What do we need to do? Um, and then she tells other people, what to do. Uh, same thing with Kevin McCarthy or Mitch McConnell or whatever is, you know, they're those guys, they're just, you know, they're they're the figurehead. They're the face of their office, so to speak. They're the face of their uh, you know, if you go to drive around town, you'll find Chuck Grassley's offices in all the counties or whatever, you know. And uh, so they have to pay for that. They have to, you know, have those people there. And those people are doing the work every day. When you call the government, you got a problem, they're going to work through it. If you have some issue or whatever, need some advice, you call them. They're going to work through it. Chuck's not going to do it, you know. So 
but they've been around, they've seen a lot of stuff, they know how the system works, they know if someone wants to do something, how to tell them what to do. So I'm okay with an old person in office because they don't do much other than than that and then vote, but what they're really voting on is the results of this debate that's happening between the staffs, between the committees, between, you know, you know what I mean? Because I've always wondered, like, how could this idiot be in office saying these dumb things? And then you realize that they're not really doing anything. <laughs> so, you know, I don't, you know, so it's, it's like, you know, you want, you want people at the top who have experience. And that's the same as at the board of a company. You know, you want to start a company, you want to call someone who's really got experience and ask for advice. And that's not going to be a young person usually. Well, no. Uh, so <laughs> I'm not saying but, that the government would be better if we had a bunch of 20 year olds in office. I think that that would well, be a recipe for disaster in itself, too. But I do right. think that these people get in office and they get corrupted by that. And oh, especially think, when it comes yeah, down to this two party system and, yep. you know, like like the recent uh, ruling that just happened where every single Republican voted no on codifying Roe into law. And it was like, really, not a single one of you is concerned that, you know, beyond the religious aspect of it, there's all sorts right. of medical reasons to get an abortion. You're not going to, oh, you're yeah. not going to, you're no, not going to qualify yeah. any of those. It's just, no, it's, it is our goal to abolish abortions in, in every single type. And, you know, hey, if you need one and you're going to die, then, oh, it's God's plan. And, I'll tell you yeah, what, nothing no, makes I me know. more fucking mad than people in charge talking about their imaginary guy they believe in, and that's why they're going right. to fuck over everybody else, because of your stupid right. religious ideas. Hey, I love Superman. I think he's the shit. I'm not going to make decisions based on what I think Kal-El would do. You know why? Because it's fucking <laughs> stupid. I make decisions right. based on the reality of the world around me. And right. and just because you... I don't mean to... I, I I absolutely mean to pick on religion, but I'm yeah. not going to say that it's a hundred percent bad. But I think the majority of these decisions that come from these hyper religious people, it's it, I don't know how to describe it anything other than evil. You know, it's it's right. it's just another system of control. Because if this was about you know saving um saving babies, then all this other stuff would be free. It would be free for these women to go and and give birth. It would be free to to raise a child. You know, all this money would be put into to to actually giving quality of life to these people. And that's not what it is. It's they're just trying to control things and it's it's gross to me. Yeah. Well, I mean it's it's like um you know, it's it's not necessarily inconsistent to you know, the 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 I think the foundation of it is personal responsibility and family and owning your actions. And there's, there's all these different elements to it. But the idea is that you should be clear headed and, and you make decisions in your life that you are prepared for and that you're thinking through and you're not just, you know, la, 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 la. And that, I think that's like you said, though, it's kind of like, it's about control um, because, you know, I don't know. So I, I don't necessarily think it's inconsistent that, you know, 
there's this personal responsibility angle to the whole thing. Like, yeah, you should not have sex if you don't want to get pregnant. And if you do get pregnant, you should be ready for that. And you should take care of the child and you should raise it and you should figure all this out because that was your decision. You know, so I, I get all that, but that's a, that's a super simple way of approaching life. And, you know, one of the weird things about the issue of abortion is that it is, it's always been, you know, the term is a wedge issue. It's a way to get people to vote for you no matter what. Yeah. So there are it's 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 an issue people will always vote for a Republican for. And and so they they the idea though with with wedge issues is you're never supposed to actually act on it. <laughs> so then you always get elected because you're always fighting for that issue because it never gets resolved. And that's been how I viewed Republicans and the issue of abortion for the last, you know, 60 years that it's been an issue because it wasn't an issue until 1960s or 1970s when Nixon ran. And they tried to court the the religious right. That's who that became a uh, significant part of the Republican base at that point. Um, but, there, you know, if you talk to most Republicans, I'd say about half Republicans are totally fine with abortion as a thing. You know, it's it's only that very small religious right that's like gung ho about it. And if you look at it's like something like 75 percent want Roe v. Wade to stay as a thing. That's that's of everybody, every American. You don't have, you know, uh, majorities like that in, with most issues. So this is an example of the far right wing got too close to their prize and now they might get it. And the problem for Republicans, I think, is that um, it's not it's not a popular it's not a popular issue, you know, to to get rid of Roe v. Wade. So if if it has to be codified into law by Congress and Republicans are not going to vote for it, they're probably going to get voted out uh, because, you know, people are not going to be happy with a world where your wife gets pregnant and it's a, uh, uh, you know, what's it called when it's uh, in the fallopian tube? Um, there's a uh, ec- 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 uh, ectopic pregnancy. Um, that's when the egg implants into the fallopian tube. And the woman's going to die. That, that You have to get rid of it. You, you have to get that out of there because the baby won't survive. The mom won't survive. Um, it's a very simple procedure, you know, but they're not going to be happy if they can't get that done. You know, uh, or they're not going to be happy if they go to get it done and there's a wait period uh, and they got to fly to Chicago or something because there's only one place in the world that does it now because nobody can afford to do it, you know. So, you know, you're not going to have doctors trained. You're not going to have medical professionals able to perform abortions that are medically necessary, um, you know. If, if it's not legal and if it's not easy to access. And then the other thing is, you know, you've got, um, uh, you know, is forced to have a baby. That's, and of course, it's a little weird to think that you can just kill a baby. <laughs> but that's, I think, where the issue gets complicated because I think if you don't think you're killing a baby, then abortion doesn't isn't a big deal. But if you think you're killing a baby and you need to protect the baby's rights, you know, I can see how you'd be pretty, you know, into protecting that baby. 
but I really, you know, I think most people are pretty okay with, you know, aborting an early term pregnancy. I think most people are okay with that, a huge percentage of Americans. So, you know, whether or not there's an abortion ban after 20 weeks, except in the case of a medical condition, um, you know, I think most Americans would be okay with something like that. Uh, but I think the idea that you can't take plan B, uh, or you can't have an abortion, you know, in three, in the first three weeks or four weeks or whatever, or, or close there, you know, I think most people are kind of like, like you said, kind of disgusted by the idea that, you know, the government is going to tell you and some Senator some greasy haired, slimy Senator and you gotta have your baby, you whore, you know? It's like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, it's it's I'm, I'm it's not... gross. It's a, it's a level of control that absolutely grosses me out. And right. and with some of the reaching, like if you've seen the, the articles with with different senators being like, yeah, we're, we're gonna we're gonna get rid of all contraceptive. It's like you think that STDs still aren't a thing, and like this is from the same moronic group of people that think that teaching abstinence only is is going to to be the way to get things done and it's like no no it's dude it's uh, i don't yeah, know people are weird about people are weird about you know the thing is is like nobody really understands relationships and sex until they're like pretty old if they've had a lot of them you know and then you and then you start to get like oh that's what this is you know oh that's how this works oh and you're like, I wish someone taught me that. <laughs> you know? And it's like all these people, they don't know it. They don't know what it's about, uh, but they're making decisions for other people. And that's what I think. That's where that absence only thing comes from. It's like, no, you haven't really figured it out yet. And you're you're just trying to avoid having to talk about it. Or you think you've got it and you think avoiding talking about it is the way to protect your kids or something. And it's like, no, you got to teach them. You got to explain to them in clear terms what relationships are, what what feelings are, how, how you're going to feel certain ways. And this is this is what's going to happen. So don't be surprised because that gives the, the kid a sense of control when they know that, oh, I'm going to feel this way. Oh, I'm going to feel that way. You know, so they, they understand more that, that what's happening and they're, they have more control over their actions because they, it's not just happening to them. You know, it's not just magically, they're not just trying to figure it out. They know what's coming, you know? So, um, the, the idea of abstinence only, uh, education or, or in other words, just, don't tell them that this feels good because they're going to want to try it. You know, it's like, you know, no, don't say that. That's, that's not what, that's not the, that's not what sex ed is. It's not like, Oh, this is how you masturbate. You know, that's not what sex ed is supposed <laughs> to be. It, it, you know, this one's called the stranger. It, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wait, get a load of this kids. Um, so, <laughs> so what you're going to do uh, is sit on your non-dominant hand for a good 20 minutes. <laughs> right. Get about ten good seconds. Um, <laughs> like back. Um, Get about ten good so. seconds. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, but anyway, yeah. So the I mean, the idea is like people don't people have opinions without really thinking them through. That's general. That's the general thing. And then you get siloized. You get into your silo, 
and you never speak to someone from a different perspective and you don't so you don't really understand the other point of view and it's like this don't say gay bill in florida i mean the idea that they're you know oh we got to protect our straight kids or our kids because if we teach them about transgender they're going to become transgender or if we <laughs> yeah, teach them wild. about gay they're going to become gay and that was the that was you know before transgender discussions it was or gender identity it was it was we can't educate kids about homosexuality because i don't want my kid turning gay and it's like you know that would be true if you could do that you know like the idea that you could program a kid to be gay or not um you know that's that's where i think you know, the concern, I have to protect my kid because, yeah, you don't want your kid to be an outcast. You don't want your kid to have a tough life. You don't want your kid to struggle or whatever. So it's natural to, to, if you believe that exposing them to these ideas would, you know, make them have a tough life, you know, okay, it makes sense that you would want to protect them against that. But then the the question is like, well, wait a second, why does being gay mean you're going to have a tough life? Why is, you know what I mean? So then that's that's where this kind of like, you know, I get into it with people because it's the same argument again now with transgender or gender identity. They think that talking about it is going to make kids, you know, question their gender, question their identity and make them change it. But the what it does is just allow someone to realize, you know, who they are, if you know what I, if if that makes sense, you know, it's. You're not going to change someone's gender identity. It's no. there. It, no. It's it like four early on in your life, like two or three years old. You're not you're not changing it by educating. It's like, you know, you're you see the kid that looks a little different. There's nothing wrong with that kid. That's what that education is about. You know, it's like yeah, it's more for the dum dums that can't wrap their mind around it. And it's those people <laughs> that need to be educated because they're the ones that are going to make that trans kid or that gay kid. They're, they're yeah. the ones that's going to make that kid's life hard because exactly. they themselves are a fucking idiot and they can't wrap their yeah. mind around something right. that's different than their own experience. Right. And, you know, that's that like I'm a huge believer in the like travel is the greatest educator. Because right. you're going to get right. around okay. different people and you're going to see the way different people live. And, oh, right. they're having a good time doing it differently than we do. And it's right. like, I, I don't, for me, like the, the gay thing is, has never, it's never been a, like, it's, it's like the smallest curb. It's so easy to step over and get past. But for me, it's like, I grew up with knowing that I had gay people in my family, you know, on, on both sides, there was gay people on my mom's side, gay people on my dad's side. And it's just the way it it was, you know, it's so for right. me, it was nothing weird. And for me now right. in my forties, you know, learning about, you know, gender politics or gender identities and stuff. Is there a part of me that thinks it's weird? Absolutely. But does it <laughs> affect know. me? Does it affect me absolutely in any level? No, no. So I'm, I'm a big a believer good... in don't be a dick. And I think that that goes to right. either side. If I accidentally misgender somebody, and they politely say, hey, I'm, you know, I'm not a she, please refer to me as they. Oh, I'm sorry. I can absolutely accommodate you. No problem. But if they were to right. come back and be like, listen, here, you cisgendered fucking piece of shit. You're going to, I'm not like, oh, well, yeah, you're, right. you're an asshole. <laughs> you're an asshole. Like, oh, right. like, uh, so I'm a big right. believer in just don't be a dick. And I, I try to live by that. And, and I've definitely yeah. failed many times in life, but I always, 
I like I feel it when I'm a dick, you know, like afterwards. Yeah, I'm like, oh, yeah. oh you know. I, I've never been a yep. dick and then felt great about it afterwards. No, totally. I'm with you 100%. <laughs> I'm totally capable of being a dick, but I regret it every time. Every single yep. time. I'm like, yep. they'll be like, I'll be in the shower and I'll think of something mean oh, I yeah. said to somebody, oh, yeah. you know, like, like eight oh, years ago. Like, right. oh, like there was this one Such guy in the dick. climbing community that. Like he he was a real passive aggressive dick to me and I could have just ignored it and just let it go on. Instead, I wrote a very mean email and like, Uh-oh. like called him like a something, something. And I ended it with an old fucking man. <laughs> like, oh. And afterwards I was like, dude, you sh- like, you shouldn't have done that. Never hit send while you're angry. Like you, yeah, you right. put negativity out in the world. Like the last thing you want to do, you fell into that trap and did it. So, so I understand that it's easy for people to fall into that trap and do it, but right. just right. don't be a dick. It's that easy. No matter no, what yeah. side of the yeah, fence yeah, you're yeah, on, yeah. just don't be a dick. And I think that's why I get so mad when there's people that, you know, whether it's a cop or a politician or something, and if you're doing something where it's like objectively, you're being a real dick right now, then you are the one that's in the wrong. And right, and I wish right. more people would see that. And it makes me absolutely furious when people are a dick and then they use religion as, as oh, their, yeah. their as excuse their for, for it. And yeah, right. the, as their shield. As their and it's shield. like, well, well, mm-hmm. my God says no gays. And it's like, get, get, right. get out of here with that, dude. You're, right. you're, you're, you're right. using, you're using your religion to be a dick. And if you don't see right. that, then you're absolutely right. not a Christian because I think Jesus yeah, right. would be shaking his head at you. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's funny because I, I'm just like you. I'm, we grew up when people were, it was okay to be gay and people were gay and we were around them and it was fine. You know, like, like my youth pastor at the church I grew up in, he was gay or is gay. And it wasn't a big deal, you know, and there were that there was you know a couple other gay kids in in the you know group with us, uh, and you know I hate I hate even you know carving out people as different, you know it's just like it it's not we weren't different we were all the same you know there wasn't there wasn't anything weird, and and it was weird for me to see adults freaking out about it like yeah, I'm like same. of course gay marriage. Of course, gay marriage. Like, of course. It's a no-brainer. Look, right. And then and the same thing, though, like, there, there was no talk of gender identity when I was growing up. I don't remember seeing any. I know, like, RuPaul or whatever, like, drag queens and stuff. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I think that was the only drag queen I knew. Uh, and, you know, the idea of transgender, that just wasn't a thing that I grew up in. I, I always... They always joked about men that would dress up as women on the weekends. I remember hearing about that, like, you know, uh, in movies or something, they would kind of joke at it. So it's not like it, it's not like, it's not like people didn't have that desire. It's not like people, it's not that there weren't transgender uh, people or people with, um, you know, uh, gender dysphoria or whatever. They just couldn't express that. You know what I mean? They couldn't, yeah. they, they just couldn't be that. And so now going through that, I'm just like you. It's kind of like, I'm like, oh, this is what it's like to be in a cultural change. Because, you know, for me, I was like skeptical 
initially like are they really transgender like what's going on you know i was like do they are they really making a good decision are they and that you know that was you know years ago when this first started to become an issue and now it's just now i'm kind of like the kids where you know you look at kids these days they're like yeah what's the big deal and i'm like ah you're just like me when it was homosexuality and gay marriage you know it's mm-hmm. like so the the kids get it because they're there, they're seeing it, they they they're experiencing it, and it's fine. <laughs> they're like, "What's the big deal? You guys are weird. Get over it." And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it, and it, this is oh, not a wall. This is right. You know, this is it's something that you should easily be able to just walk right past, and right. And, and just look. And and it's it's okay to live. It's okay for people to live life differently than you do. You know, if if right. if what they're doing isn't having a negative impact on the world, then who cares? Just let people be people. You know, I mean, we're, we're, there's so many different varieties of personalities out there. So many different ways to live this life and not have a negative impact on others. And if that's the case, then let them do it. Right. And you know, if if someone, if you're worried, they're going to regret it, then let them regret it. Let them worry, you know, like let them figure it out. That's, you know, that's part of life. Yeah. Failure is a great teacher. Right. And I don't but I don't think, you know, I think that's one of the, the miss miss uh, concerns or the, the concerns about because, you know, I guess one of the big arguments is, you know, you don't want to transition or take hormones or something. And they're, they're arguing if you're 12 or 13 or 14 or what age should someone be allowed to, you know, uh, do hormone replacement therapy or things like that. So that's where it kind of gets um, into the I think that's where the debate is now at this point is like. You know, but I think the science is pretty well settled that people have a gender identity by two or three. And and I think it's pretty rare to 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 switch that once you're once you hit like that age. So, you know, I don't think kids are going to regret it if they uh, take hormone replacement therapy to help them, you know, get get the features that they want, that they feel they need, you know. So, yeah, no, I, I'm a big believer in it. You know, it's, I don't know, like I keep saying, if, if it's, if it's not anything that's going to hurt anybody else, right. then what's the big deal? It's like, like with abortion, with people being like, oh, well, all life is sacred and, 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 you know, God said be fruitful and multiply. And it's like, yeah, but there's like, what, like 9 billion of us on the planet or 8 billion of us now. It's like mission accomplished, dude. There's lots of people. And if right. somebody's gay, it's like, well, gay relationship, they're not going to be able to make a child. And it's like, well, there's plenty of kids. There's plenty of people on this planet. That's okay. And and also, right. it's like if a, if a gay couple or a lesbian couple or whatever is going to adopt a kid, then these are people that are jumping through all sorts of hoops and over all these hurdles to, to get and raise a child. That is a child that's going to grow up in a very loving home. There's... You know, when, right. when you can well, essentially make children by accident, that means that there's millions of children probably around the world that are in unloving households because, yeah, you know, it's well, just we are, what happens. We are, we are on the brink of civilization collapse at the rate that we are producing new people. So, um, you know, at this at this rate, we'll have a problem if, if people don't start having more kids. So that's that's where that, you know. It'd be nice to maintain the population, 
don't necessarily have to grow it, but at this point it's shrinking and then that's going to lead to to problems if you don't have enough people to take care of the people that are on the earth. So that's a concern, but you know, you raise an interesting point because it was the case that societal expectations were that you know, if you wanted to be successful, you had to be married. If you wanted to get a good job, you had to be married and have kids. Otherwise, you were a weirdo and you were outcast and you were, you were not allowed to have, you know, be really part of society. So the gay men would get married and have kids with women and they were gay. And that was, you know, a common thing. And now now people are, you know, just skipping that, <laughs> that <laughs> facade. They're not they're not you know, pretending or whatever, but they're still able to have kids because they're just having kids with, you know, or raising them, either adopting them or doing a surrogate like, uh, um, I can't remember who, I don't, I actually don't know if Anderson Cooper had a surrogate or not, but Anderson Cooper has two kids now. Um, you know, he's a, he's a gay man. He's never been married, but he has two kids now that he's raising. So, you know, it's, it's a, it's the same thing that, you know, that if you want kids, you can get them. In in the old days, you had to pretend to, you know, like women and get married and have a kid with a wife you didn't love, you know? So, you know, it's just the way society is changing a little bit. But, you know, I don't know. I think we're, it's, it, you know, it's possible that we learn, we relearn some lessons that we forgot, but you know, in terms of how strict we need to be about cultural expectations or not, um, because, you know, if you, you know, there, it's obvious that we can influence someone's life, the course of their life. Um, we've seen it with the opioid, opioid epidemic. These people are not all drug addicts, but they are all drug addicts now, you know, um, so it's it's possible that that we can totally affect society at large based on how we collectively operate and what we allow yeah, agreed. to do whatever so um you know i think we're we're i think i think i mean i think obviously that freedom and equality and uh, diversity and all the supporting everybody to do their own thing i think that's the right path um, I think undoubtedly that's the right path, but at the same time, you know, we got, we have to set up new expectations for, you know, what, what a society that's, cause you know, you were, I, I was at a restaurant yesterday and the, the guy that runs the restaurant, he can't find anybody to work at the restaurant. And he, he said, I, I would love to have four more people working in the back right now. And he's like, it's not money. Nobody's applying. You know, we keep raising how much we'll pay and nobody's applying. There's just not there's not people working. And if you look at the unemployment rate, it's very low. You know, the, the, that's not the issue. But the labor participation rate is actually kind of high or also low. Um, so unemployment is low, which means people that want to work are finding work. But there's a lot of people that are not working. And. A lot of those, I think, are people still afraid of COVID. They don't want to get the virus, so they're just staying away from, you know, out of society. Uh, but then there's a lot of people that are on uh, the government dole, so to speak. They're getting rental assistance, blah, 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 because during that time, they 
got unemployment. It got extended, extended, extended. They got, you know, it was full unemployment because the government wanted people to stay home. It was, you didn't want them to go to work. Um, so I think people had just have this battery of money right now and they're not participating in society the same way that they were before, which I think is also a good thing because I think it makes employers reimagine what work is for people because work should be enjoyable. I, I've never understood the attitude that work needs to be terrible. <laughs> work is work. <laughs> no, I agree. You know? It's like, well, you should get fulfillment from your work. It shouldn't just be terrible, you know? You should enjoy what you're doing, even if it's hard. You know what I mean? It's not like it's not like work should be easy or not difficult, but it should be something you get you're proud of, you know, or something. Mm-hmm. And I think the term is gainful employment. You wanna you wanna feel like what you're doing is is worth something, not just you know, everybody goes crazy if you just sit around. You can't sit around forever. You'll go nuts, you know. You'll you'll get sick, your mental health will be terrible, you know. You need to do something. You got to have um, something to apply yourself to. Yeah, right? Yeah. Well, and, and I think that's why some people, you know, work far past retirement age. They'll basically work up until yeah. death is because they don't have any hobbies or any sort of imagination yeah. of what they would be doing with their time otherwise. Yeah, they like doing whatever that is. Maybe that's their hobby, you know, I don't know. So, but yeah, no, you're right. So, so anyway, so that's my, if we're lo- we're looking at major shifts in society right now, and we're probably going to have to relearn the expectations of what work and family and, because even, you know, it's so hard to deal with kids if, if both parents are working and you don't have any other option, you know, it's like, well, that. You know, that makes sense why, you know, it was just the man working and the the, the wife taking care of the kids because it's like a freaking full time job to take care of kids, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that it is, especially young kids, you know, and uh, and so now we we shuttle them off to daycare or something and uh, someone else raises them or or, you know, but, I, you know, I don't know. I think people are questioning all of that because because I think that people would want to stay home with their kids if they could. But in a modern society with the big houses and two cars and et cetera, then you really need two incomes if you want a five bedroom house and two cars, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so then people get two jobs, a man and husband white work and they never see each other and they barely see the kids and da, 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 da. So, you know, I just, I just think that people are going to, I think more and more people are going to be going like, is this really what the life I want? You know, so I don't know. We'll see what happens because, you know, that's what's leading to inflation ultimately is is people are not going back to work fast enough. Uh, The people that have the money are still spending it, but the goods and services that they're buying are becoming harder and harder to come by because the people that the, the normal labor that would show up to help manufacturing or mining or machining or whatever, they're not showing back up to work. And so the supply is just going down, but the people that have the money are still spending their money. So the supply is going down and down and down. So your prices are going to go up and up and up and that's going to lead to inflation. So what do they have to do is raise interest rates. And basically what they have to do is make things so expensive that nobody spends any money. (laughs) 
And that's that's what it, we're going to get a recession. We're going to have a big recession. That's the only way to stop spending is to take all the money out of the system to slow everything down and and make things, uh, you know, keep people from consuming so much because the, it's the consumption that's driving up the prices. And uh, in order to stop consumption, you have to you have to, you know, limit limit either income or spending or something, you know, something's got to give. Otherwise, inflation will just keep going and going and going. And then nobody will have, you know, any money of any value. All your savings are worthless, you know. So so it's like, you know, it's a big, big problem. And it's, you know, we can blame Trump or Biden or whatever, but it's really just the mechanics of of coming back from covid and uh and that's i mean it's really you can't really blame anything but covid for it so you know i do blame just, some of these people at the top though that like you know oil companies posting record profits and they're still jacking up prices and it's well, like well yeah i mean i mean that feels yeah. kind of gross to me that you know yeah. you're you're using this you know, like, oh, well, well, times are really tough and, and everybody's got to tighten the belt and we're going to have to raise prices to to make a difference. But, oh, don't don't look at our profit reports over here where we're making record, you know, we're breaking records for profits. And it's like you guys are enriching yourselves. You're you're squeezing you're squeezing the, the larger population so that you can hoard more fucking wealth. And I, that's definitely a right. thing, too. Right, right. Yeah, no, I know it's uh, but you know the the problem the problem is not money supply because you could take all that money that they made, give it back to everyone, and they're just gonna buy more stuff and make the problem worse. <laughs> so then you'll just have this runaway because that you know that's that's what happens in in uh, countries where inflate you know there what there's that country in Africa I can't remember what they have like a trillion dollar bill because inflation was just insane. And that, you know, that's what happens. You, the, the population goes, well, I'm mad. Everything's too expensive. So the government just gives them money and then they just keep buying stuff and it just spirals like that. Right, we need to give you more money because the prices go up. Well, we have to give you more money because the prices keep going up. So, you know, but I the, think somewhere along the line in there, there's a small group of people that are sitting on giant piles of cash. And as it well, comes true, in, but... they just keep hoarding more and more and their net worth keeps going up higher and higher. And they're not turning around and reinvesting that back down to the bottom because no matter what, like you just said, right. no matter what, if you give poor people money, they're going to spend it because they have to. If yes. you give a really, That's really right. rich guy a bunch of tax cuts, he's just going to sit right. on that wealth because he has no onus to, 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 to spend that or put it back into the system because he's covered. Right. But yeah, I, I mean, and that's that's the concern is that you 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 want a civilization that supports itself, that that that, you know, uh, has enough that is balanced. It's a fine tuned machine that there's enough goods for the people and that they can afford them. Uh, you know, even a poor person in you know the United States has access to good quality stuff compared to other countries and that's that's what you want is that you want the ability to you want upward mobility if if someone is if someone wants to do that they should be able to do that it should not be significantly difficult to become 
middle class. And, you know, middle class just means you control your life and you can go on vacations, you know, and mm -hmm. you can do what you want. And and I think that's good enough for almost everybody. If you want to do capital allocation and invent things and create industries or whatever, that's where you're going to get big bucks, but you're going to have to do some weird stuff. And most people are not interested in doing that. They're perfectly fine to do what they want, you know, and they don't have to own, you know, corporations or things like that. And they're not interested in doing those, those sorts of things. They don't want to be on the clock 24 seven to solve weird problems, you know? So I think the middle-class life in America is the gold standard for civilization. And I think keeping that middle class as large as possible is, is really the goal. And, you know, so it's easy to, to look at Elon Musk and say, oh, the guy's got $300 billion and meh. And it's like, well, it, it, what can you do about it? There's nothing, no, no person would benefit from having his money if you gave it, if everybody had his money. You know what I mean? It's this weird, it's like, well, what do you want to do? Take all the money and give it to all the people. Then they spend all the money and it makes all the prices go up. And now you're just back where you started, you know? So mm -hmm. it's, it's, we, we need this tuned machine where, where people have the ability to do what they want with their life. And, and I think that's, you know, you don't want someone living in poverty if they don't want to be living in poverty. That's not okay. Yeah. You know? And but there are people that that live like that, that choose to live like that. I mean, it's not I, I sound like an idiot when I say something like that. But I know I know people that that are, have no interest in any sort of nine to five, have no interest in driving a Mercedes, have no interest in. And they're perfectly happy. And they they're a, they're a statistic on the poverty line. You know what I mean? Uh huh. And it's like and it's like, OK, so, so when I look at statistics like that, I I'm trying to think of. Because, you know, in the United States, nobody's hungry anymore. We don't have a hunger issue in the United States. Um, we've done a good job making sure that food is extremely cheap um, and and nutritious. I mean, all of it's fortified, like we just talked about, the niacin and everything and folate. And so, you know, our kids are the right height. Even the poorest kids are the right height because they're getting, the, you know, the correct nutrition um, if you look at other nations where people are short, they're not getting good nutrition. So we've done a, I mean, a lot of people like to shit on the United States, um, <laughs> because, you know, we like to solve problems and we, we like to speak up about it. And when we see a problem, we call it out, but we have to also recognize all the successes that we've have had, um, so that we understand the problems we're up against and how to, how to solve them. Because, you know, it's easy to say housing, housing is too expensive Okay, well, the last time we tried to fix that, we crashed the entire economy by giving mortgages to everyone. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's like, a valid point. Right? Well, and then the same thing with student loans. It was like, well, we need to get more people to college. Well, the wrong solution was to give everybody thousands of dollars of debt. <laughs> I mean, it was just like, <laughs> that's the, it was like the worst. Like, I'm still paying off student loans, you know? It's like, that is the worst way to solve that problem, you know? So, but that, that's what you see in, in, in sort of the demands is just to give people mortgages or give people loans or give people something 
And yes, give them access, give them some, you know, give them the ability, but let's be smart about it. Let's not trap them into a mortgage or a student loan or something. They, they, we need to give them the ability to control their life, you know? And that's what I try to advocate the most. And that's, you know, as an educator, that's where I see the power is like, if you really understand how the system works, it's not that crazy. It's not that scary. The idea is you do something for someone else, they do something for you and it works out, <laughs> you know, like everybody's got to, got to, got to put something in to take something out, you know, and, and yeah, you're going to have Elon Musk out there doing weird stuff, but I don't worry about it. Cause I don't want to be that, you know? So, <laughs> you know, like the guy's crazy. He's doing all sorts of stuff. He's busy all the time. He has no family, you know, it's, it's miserable. Yeah. So, um, switching gears know. a little bit. Uh, I yep. put some feelers out before this episode and asked people to submit science questions for it. And I got a few questions. And so I figured we should, um, get these Let's in do it. rapid fire <laughs> before Let's we get go. done here. Um, so Adam Templeton, uh, wanted to know what you think is the most egregious example of physics nonsense that you've seen in the media. Oh boy. Um, the most egregious example of physics nonsense, uh, probably when a neutrino experiment in CERN, um, their optical cable was not screwed on all the way. And so the speed of light when it travels through glass, like we talked about a little earlier, actually slows down because it's being absorbed and re-emitted by the fiber optic, by the material in the fiber optic. And the cable wasn't screwed in all the way. So there was a small air gap. And the speed of light is basically the full speed of light in that air gap. So it looked like the speed of light was arriving. The signal was arriving sooner than they expected. So they... They, they, they're like, something's wrong with our machine. Here's our results. It's saying that the speed of light is, that our signal's traveling faster than the speed of light. And boy, did everybody in the media report that. Oh, Einstein may be wrong. <laughs> A certain experiment discovers the speed of light is faster than light, maybe, question mark. And then, like this furry flurry of activity. And then like a month later, they're like, Oh, our cable was loose. Sorry. <laughs> Everything's fine. And not a single report on that. Right. So that's just, you know, you see the media, they just grab a story. They put it out there. They don't care what it is. They want their clicks. They want their eyeballs. They want their readers to be excited. And they just they just go with it. There's no due diligence. There's no actual journalism on the majority of news articles. And you see that all the time. But that that's probably the most egregious example. <laughs> Excellent. Um, mm -hmm. Steve, Stephen Redgrave asks, are we closer to creating teleportion devices or time travel? No teleporting, no time travel. Uh, right now, I'll give you something interesting we are actually traveling into the future so we are time travelers right now so uh people don't think about that <laughs> one second we're at a time right <laughs> yeah right we're traveling through time at the speed of light almost the faster <laughs> you move through space the slower you move through time and the faster you move or the slower you move through space the faster you move through time so since we are basically just orbiting around uh the galaxy uh around our star we're not going super fast uh, so we're mostly just going through time at the fastest possible rate. 
Um, we can travel into the future, uh, which, okay, that's what we're doing now, but we can do it more quickly. If you travel, get in a rocket, accelerate for a while, turn around, come back, you will be younger than someone who stayed behind on the planet. You will literally be younger. More time will have elapsed on the planet. So you can definitely travel into the future relative to uh, someone on Earth. You just have to accelerate uh, for a while to a significant percentage of the speed of light. I mean, maybe 15% and then turn around, come back. You might travel five years into the future, you know. So um, that's one way for you. You know, you're going to age, you're going to live your same 60 years or 75 years, hopefully 75 years, hopefully 100 years. You're to you, it's going to be the same. But so if you think about traveling back in time, that's where it gets hard, because the way I think about it is take a football and throw the football. And now imagine every atom in the entire universe, you would have to rewind all of them and put them back where they were if you want to go back into time so time travel into the past is not is not really a thing it can, it's just can't you can't really conceive of a way to put every atom back to where it was you see what i mean so time travel into the past probably not ever but time travel into the future that's something that we can do. We do it now with our GPS satellites. But if you want to do it on a on a big level, we're gonna to have to need we're gonna need a bigger rocket. Hmm, right on. Uh, Steve mm -hmm. George asks uh, if it was possible to drill a hole directly through the Earth's core, coming out the other side, and temperature or speed of descent weren't a problem. If you jumped in, would gravity trap you at the center point? So this is an interesting one. Um, this is uh, one of these sort of standard problems you solve as a physics student. Um, you basically, so when if you imagine this situation and you jump into the hole, you're going to accelerate towards the center of the Earth. You're going to be accelerated by gravity. It's going to pull you towards the center. Newton, Isaac Newton, invented calculus or discovered calculus, however you want to interpret it by solving this sort of exact problem because he intuitively thought that all of Earth's gravity could be treated as if it, it emitted from the center of Earth. Okay, the, he thought, well, gravity is due to mass, but the mass that's right below me, what's really, what I care about is how far I am from the center of Earth, not any other thing. And, and he invented calculus to try to prove that um, that that you could you could treat the Earth's gravitational force as if it was at the center of the Earth. So what happens when you drill a hole like that and you jump in? You're going to accelerate towards the center, and you're going to convert what's called gravitational potential energy into kinetic energy. So when you're standing on the Earth, you can feel the Earth wants to pull you down, and you're resisting it. And if you give it the opportunity to, it's going to accelerate you. It's going to turn that potential energy into speed, into velocity. Until you hit the center of the Earth, then you're going to start going out the hole on the other end. And the gravity, instead of accelerating you towards the center, as you fall and pass the center, it's going to start accelerating you back towards the center after you pass the center. So you're going to fall towards the center, and then you're going to pass the center. And then you'll actually, if you jumped into the Earth, 
went through the center, you would come out the other side, you'd be able to land on the earth on the other side with the same speed that you jumped in with. So you'd jump in and plop out on the other side. And if you missed it, you would fall back in and fall back out to the other side, and you might get a chance to grab the hole on the other end of the earth. But basically, if you never grabbed on, you would oscillate back and forth like a spring from one side of the earth to the other side of the earth and back and forth and back and forth. Because there'd be there'd be no force to stop you. All the all the energy you gained by jumping down and accelerating, there's nothing to take that out of you. So it would carry you through to the other side. You would use it all back up and gain it all back in oscillating back and forth. Is that clear? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Cool. There there's that really cool physics experiment that um I'm pretty sure Neil deGrasse Tyson did it in the Cosmos show where he had like a cannonball on a string and he put it like right on the tip of his nose and then he let go of it and it swung out into the auditorium and then it comes back and he holds absolutely still and it doesn't smash him in the face and he said the trick is don't accelerate it (laughs) just let it go give it any extra do not give it any extra energy yep exactly yeah yeah um okay so last question here not not much of a is, is not as much of a question. Luther Shaver says, "Explain nonlinear timelines." Uh, so nonlinear timelines, uh, I think, is a um, is a is a um, oh a uh, I don't I can't think of the word for it. I think that's a uh, something they use in writing books where. You know, you tell stories simultaneously, but they're not in chronological order. Um, a, I can't think of the term for it, but maybe he's like maybe Tarantino he's, storytelling, like the way Pulp Fiction's yeah. laid out. Yeah, exactly. I understood it from like a narrative perspective, but when when I read uh, Luther's post, I was like, is that a physics thing or is that like a sci-fi type thing? Yeah, so. I'm trying to. I I don't think I've ever heard the term necessarily d- directly at at physics or whatever. But pro- I mean, maybe maybe he's thinking about you know things occurring in the universe at different times, and so maybe we're not all synced up throughout the universe. Um, I mean, that th- that could be a thing. Um, because if you think about a universe that goes on forever, if it really does. You know, we we see a, we see an observable universe. We can't see further than that, right? There, it doesn't exist yet. We see to the beginning of the universe. We see to the Big Bang because when we look out into space, we look back into time because the speed of light is constant. So the light that's coming from the beginning of the universe is just reaching us, and we're seeing that uh, in the cosmic background radiation. Um, but you can imagine that. Um, if you keep going on beyond that, there's a that the universe exists out there. It's it's 13 billion years old, like ours is, but we just don't see it yet. But it, for all intents and purposes, it is inaccessible to us forever. We'll never see it, right? Um, and if that's true, on and on and on and on and on, then you have an infinite number of infinite universes, right? Um, uh huh which is kind of weird, but you could imagine them all operating at different times, being on different 
chronologies, different schedules. And you could imagine one of those universes where we're doing the exact same thing that we're doing right now, but I have a different shirt on. Uh, if, if, you know, um, but that's not necessarily the case because just because something is infinite doesn't mean it, it means you have infinite possibilities. Like for example, the number 2.66666666 repeating is infinite, but it only has three numbers in it, you know? So, um, it, it, it's possible that our infinite universes have infinite possibilities, but it's also possible that our infinite universes repeat themselves over and over and over again. <laughs> so, you know, maybe it's the same universe over and over and over and over and over again, all over everywhere of all time. You know, I don't know. That's awesome. <laughs> that sort of stuff is just mind boggling to me. Dude, It okay, so I'll end with two things because we talked about sort of science and religion, and this is something I've kind of, been thinking about lately there's two things no scientist will be able to explain ever and no religious ultra religious person would be able to explain no matter what so if you're talking to either a religious person or a scientist and they claim that these are within the realm of stuff you can tell them to go jump and find someone else to talk to you because <laughs> they're delusional uh but the two things are number one why is any of it here? Okay, it doesn't matter, you know, if you say God, that's okay, but why God? It does there's no satisfying answer to why is it all here, right? Why is any of this a thing at all? And that's one question. The second question is how in the hell is it possible that we developed the ability to comprehend that very question? You know, uh -huh. like those those two things, there's there's something beyond a religious person or a scientific, you know, that, that there's something that we cannot I probably ever comprehend. And it's that's disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> that is because the if you really. If you really think of those two questions, it really messes with you. If you really think about it, yeah. No, the, the ability to ponder one's own existence is probably yeah. the wildest part of life, in my opinion. Right? You know, it's yeah, totally. It's it's the totally. mental it's the mental version of standing between two mirrors. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's just exactly. it's, it's it's wild because it's like I'm yeah. here, I'm made yes. of star stuff, right. and I have a brain that's capable of understanding, you know, through the study of physics, like I right. can understand a lot of things that are absolutely true about the physical world around me. And right. I can then understand the things that I will never be able to understand because they're simply not knowable. Yeah. And it's like, how do I even have that ability? How, <laughs> how, how is my, no, I, like really, if you really buy into evolution and the theory of evolution and life evolved, why is math part of that? <laughs> you know, <laughs> there is no need to know math, you know? So it's just, it's just, it's wild that we, we evolved the ability to know. It's like the no, the universe knows itself, you know, that's really what I think of it. That's the universe evolved a way to, to observe itself. That's what we do, you know? Because we're made of the universe. We're made mm -hmm. of the same particles 
like you said, star stuff. It's just in this weird configuration that allows it to have feelings. <laughs> <laughs> and to contemplate itself. It's it's right. weird, dude. It's wild. Um, yeah. Dude, thank you so much for coming on. I always have the, sure. the best conversations with you. Um, so you, you've given me so much to think about as usual. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, is cool, there anything man. you want to promote or, 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 or do you have any sort of social media presence? Do you want to let people oh, know where they can you know find what? you or anything like that? You know, I should start doing this and I've been thinking about doing it. So I do, I am Dr. James Wetzel on Instagram and Twitter. And I do think I have a Facebook page and I'm going to start, I'm trying to like figure out my niche, what is going to be useful and interesting that I could say. So I'm going to start doing that. Um, I also, there's a website called Teachable where because of COVID, I had to teach remote and online and asynchronous actually. So I recorded a crap ton of video lectures. And so I'm just going to put them on Teachable. And if someone wants to take a full college course for, you know, not $5,000 a semester, <laughs> then uh, I'm just going to have that on on Teachable. So, um, oh, what an incredible resource. Yeah. So, and it, yeah, and I got, I recorded all the demos. So there's all these great demos to help, you know, emphasize the concepts and everything. So, uh, you know, that'll be. That'll be, I've got the second semester uploaded. I'm working on the first semester, getting it uploaded and ready to go. So that should be up soon. And then anybody will be able to learn physics. (laughs) Fantastic, dude. Well, thank you again for for coming on. Uh, Already looking forward to the next one. Um, Definitely. Thank you all very much for listening. Until next time, this has been StarkCast.